Blue Jays. Your place for everything related to the Toronto Blue Jays. Here's your hosts, Jesse Burrell and Riley McConnell. Now let's get on with the show. Hello, everybody. Welcome to episode 143 of Buds and Blue Jays. This is your place for all things related to the Toronto Blue Jays. I'm your host, Jesse Burrell, joined as always by my co-host, Riley McConnell. And today on our show, Riley, we are officially into the offseason. The World Series has ended, and congrats to Marcus Semien and the Texas Rangers for taking home October's biggest prize. But we on this show are officially now into offseason mode with free agency opening its doors just five days from now. Today, we're going to go up and down the Toronto Blue Jays roster, look and see how much money the Blue Jays have to spend, talk about team needs, and maybe even give a name or two on some players we would like to see become Toronto Blue Jays at some point in this offseason. But before we dive deep into the episode, Riley, how was the rest of the World Series? Are you ready for the offseason? What's going on? I mean, first, I guess, congratulations to the Texas Rangers, an organization that's been around for a long time. First world championship. Hard to believe, really, but that's, uh, hey, they came up big at the right times. I really wanted the Diamondbacks to pull through, uh, you know, for Moreno and uh, Lourdes for sake. But I guess you can say, you know, XJ, uh, Marcus Semien and his very, very short time with the Toronto Blue Jays, how impactful he was. Um, I, I, I mean, five for a five-game World Series, it was pretty good. Um, you know, kind of weird not having baseball on now. Um, I'm excited to see what happens as we roll in. I mean, this is with the early November right now. So, I mean, this is a very weird part in, uh, in my calendar as far as what I watch on television. And, uh, you know, baseball isn't in the, in the question. But looking ahead... Um, into, you know, what the team could shape up next year. It could be very interesting, Jesse. You know, I haven't crunched the numbers completely, but uh, still in a big dreamer mode for this 2024 uh, Toronto Blue Jays lineup. Yeah, the offseason is just getting started. And Riley, you haven't crunched the numbers, but I have crunched some numbers. And we're going to get into those numbers about what the roster will look like, how much money the Blue Jays will have to spend. And honestly, we can dream. We can try to figure out what this Blue Jays team is going to look like come the offseason now. I want to start this by saying, I guess we have to go one of two ways. The Blue Jays have their core, quote unquote, core players under control until the end of the 2026 season. So that's Vladimir Guerrero Jr. That's Jordan Romano. That's Bo Bichette under contract. I think even Kevin Gosman lines up on that scale for two more years, right? So it seems like the Blue Jays window to win a World Series, unless something dramatic happens, is going to be within those next two years. So the Blue Jays really have two options going into this offseason. It's one... They try to add a lot of players for long-term salaries, but just get them in here and try to win in this next two years while this core is still together. Or they can kind of keep things middling, kind of hope their guys, like guys like Varsho make an improvement, guys like Alejandro Kirk make an improvement, guys like Vladimir Guerrero Jr. make an improvement. They get the same pitching, and then some of the young players come up and take a step forward. Those are really the two ways I can see the Blue Jays going. I don't think they're going to sell. They're not going to trade off this core or anything like that. Um, So, Riley... Out of those two routes, I guess, which way do you want to? And I guess, which way do you think the Blue Jays are going to go this offseason? I mean, there's no question on which way I want them to go. I mean, we know the window, Jesse, um, and it's with those core players that you were just talking about. There's no question in my mind um, that if we that if we do fall, to, I, I will say this. I will say the hard thing that needs to be said, Jesse. If we don't compete for a championship in these two years, 
it's probably going to be a long time coming after that before yeah. we're we're near that rebuilds on the horizon. Absolutely. That I mean, that's just it's inevitable, Jesse. It's absolutely inevitable. There's no way that um, you're it, there's no way that my fa- favorites, uh, your favorites, that you know whoever's wa- watching this video, your favorites probably aren't going to be returnees three, four years from now. You know, at one point the team's going to disband a little bit. So I do like the idea of rental players. There's some big money coming off the board for the Toronto Blue Jays as well. I would really like to, that to be sunk in to, I mean, I'm just going to say it. Uh, <laughs> two things, I guess. The first thing is I don't think there's a real chance we're going to get Shohei Otani. Sure. Realistically, every team in the league wants him. Um, and he's I, I, he's probably going to make the most money any MLB player has ever made. Uh, but I still think there is quality talent out there that we can sink that money in um, because, you know, a guy like Hunjin Ryu, I was looking at free agents available and Hunjin Ryu had this, I think was second or third with the highest paid salary coming off the books for any team in major league baseball. So that's, it's a big number coming off. And I really think that we can, you know, put that money where it's, where it's, needed and an offense in my mind is where it's needed and then maybe putting a complimentary pitcher with the already good staff hoping that they repeat uh the year that they had and um you know i I mean it's easier said than done jesse we're not the guys you know behind the desk we're not making these calls you could go a thousand different ways but the way we have to look at it is basically, yeah, we got to win in these next two years mm-hmm. and we got to find the, the the now players. We got to acquire these now players that are going to not make an impact four years from now. Don't care about that. We need players that are going to make an impact in the game starting next season. That's what I want. That's what I think we should be after. All right. I like it. Well, let's talk some numbers and then some of those players coming off the books. The Blue Jays ended last season with a payroll of $214 million. If you factor in some arbitration raises for some people and maybe player options picked up, the Blue Jays salary as of now would stand at about $104 million or $194 million. Um, Mark Shapiro talked about his end of year press conference that they expect that number to be in about the 240-ish range, which sounds like they've got about an extra 30 to $55 million to spend per year on um, a player two or three this year. But it also sounded like for the right deal or something, the Blue Jays could go past the luxury tax. Like I'm thinking if they decided Shohei Otani was the route to go and the Blue Jays wanted to be that one to pay him all that money. I think there is room in Rogers budget for that, but I think it's got to be on a very, very high end special occasion that that does happen. But let's get into the little nitty gritty here. And I guess as things stand right now on the Blue Jays roster, the Blue Jays have seven players guaranteed under contract for next season. Those players are George Springer, Kevin Gosman, Chris Bassett, Jose Brios, Yusei Kikuchi, Jimmy Garcia, and Bo Bichette. No matter what, their salaries are fixed. We know exactly what they're going to be made. And barring a trade, those seven players are going to be on our roster. The Blue Jays then have 13 players that are arbitration eligible, which means they're under team control, but their salaries are still unknown. These players include Adam Simber, Trevor Richards, Danny Jansen, Vlad Jr., Tim Meza, Kevin Biggio, Eric Swanson, Jordan Romano, Genesis Cabrera, Santiago Espinal, Dalton Varsho, Alejandro Kirk, and Nate Pearson, with um, Alec Manoa not even arbitration eligible yet because of his debacle of what happened with him this season. And then they have two players, Whit Merrifield and Chad Green, both have options for the Blue Jays, and the Blue Jays have a decision to make. And then gone, officially off the roster as of now, are Matt Chapman, Brandon Belt, Kevin Kiermaier, Jordan Hicks, Hunjin Ryu, Jay Jackson, and Anthony Bass. So, a lot of interesting pieces here. A lot of fluctuation going on here. Um, out of those 13 ARB guys, I said, Riley, 
I know they have number values attached to them through MLB trade rumors. I could see guys like Adam Simber getting cut. I could see guys like Santiago Espinal getting cut. But it does seem like the most of those guys are all going to be back on this team next year, correct? I mean, that's the I, – I think for the most part, how, unless a guy has had a really bad year, um, if you think that he can be a plus war player, uh, essentially, if he can give you innings out of the bullpen too, um, you got to bring them back for arbitration. Free agency, you know, kind of tallies a little different for me, um, but you still kind of have control over the player with arbitration. And I mean, we it's good. It's just good to fill the roster there. These players can be moved at later dates as well, you know, via trade or what, whatever it is. And some of those guys still have options and you're not getting into the tens of millions of dollars. Derek, I know that Rogers has money and um, we're going to pay. Yes. We're going to pay, pay my phone gonna, bill, Riley. We know Rogers has money. Yeah. It, it, they, they have the utmost amount of money uh, as far as ownership goes um, in major league baseball. Um, and if they want, if we want to raise our ceiling to the $300 million, whatever Mark, and, you know, go from there and really make a splash, then, I mean, let's do it. But as far as, you know, I, I think you offer arbitration to 90% of these players at least. Um, as far as our free agents go, the, the free agent pending, I think uh, I think yeah. it's time to depart from probably everyone except if we can get Jordan Hicks back um, for a reasonable uh, deal. I think that that would be amazing. Yeah, let's talk about the player options first before we get to the guys who are right free agents. And that is Whit Merrifield, who is under, uh, he has an $18 million mutual option. So both a player option and a club option for one more year. And then Chad Green, who has that really weird contract he signed last year, if you remember it. But basically it stands out. We either let him walk or he signs for two years, 21 million or three years, 36 million. I could see honestly all three working with Chad Green. Um, But if you're the Blue Jays, are you picking up those options on either of those players first and foremost? Well, I'm not taking... I'm not taking wit. Yeah, for 18 um, million, we, we, that's not, not 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 a chance, not a chance. And that there was a time in the league where Whit Merrifield would have been worth that money. That's pre-free agency wit as well. Uh, he was still in his arbitration when he was playing his best baseball. Sadly, it doesn't correlate to the on-field play in 2023 and probably moving forward into you know future years. Chad Green is an interesting one too, Jesse. Um, however, we're talking relief pitchers as well. I mean, for a guy who's probably a non-closer, that is a lot of money and we could find depth in a lot of different areas. Um, but I'm, I'm honestly more with the Chad green one. I think you are too, but still we're talking a lot of money for a guy who's, who's a non-closer, um, or who's going to touch the eight inning quite a bit. Um, if he's good, if he's not then it's going to backfire on us. The funny thing is, too, it's not a one-year deal to pick up being two or three years, which is, hey, he's got a good agent, I guess, to negotiate a contract like that. I mean, he's not a spring chicken anymore. He's still a he's still a great relief pitcher. But I'm going to say it again. The key word here is we're talking non-closer type pitcher uh, making that kind of money. And I, I mean, if we're going to sink into the double digit millions, I mean, I don't love it as far as bullpen arms go because we, we are deeper than we think in the bullpen. Mm -hmm. And I will mention that a little later, about some other bullpen arms, um, all three are very realistic. I would love to have Chad green back on this team, but again, the price is going to be right. And I'm with you on Whit Merrifield. Thank you for what you've done. 
but it is time for you to hit free agency and see what you can do. Um, the other players, you already mentioned Jordan Hicks, Riley, but Hunjin Ryu, Kevin Kiermeyer, Brandon Belt, Matt Chapman, Jay Jackson, and I guess technically Anthony Bass, even though he's already been DFA'd. Um, are you giving a qualifying offer to any of these players? And for those of you who don't know, the qualifying offer will be at just over $20 million this year for a one-year deal. The player will have an option to accept that. If they decline and they sign with another team, that another team will have to give up a, I believe it's a compensatory first-round pick to the Blue Jays if they go sign somewhere else. So are you offering that one-year $20 million contract to any of these players, or are you just letting them walk for nothing? I I would I would be okay with, with letting them walk. If I'm going to do it to anybody, and it bugs me to say, I don't want to get too in-depth on what I think about each and every one of these players. Um, however, I don't think that we should do that with Matt Chapman. Okay. And I would, like, I would like to say we could do it with Hunjin Ryu, but again, that money that could be going to Ryu and that qualifying option or contract renewal, I think could be um, invested into a free agent, a free agent pitcher uh, who sh- we should bring on this staff. Nothing against Hunjin Ryu, but I think his time as a J is probably up. I can't be the only one. There was a time where he was a great, one of the best pitchers in all of Major League Baseball, but his stuff just isn't the same. Yeah, you know when you can't locate a soft throwing left-hander. I mean, we know we know the story. We 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 watched it this year, and um, I would yeah, I think that we just let him go, Jesse, and like I said, invest that cash into into someone who's going to be a bigger impact piece, a bigger bat or a better arm uh, for the Blue Jays in this next year. Yeah, the only one on this list I could consider giving the one-year qualifying offer to is actually Matt Chapman. And simply because Scott Boris is his agent and Scott Boris has been like profoundly known to make sure his players go to free agency. So I do think that some team's going to look at the hard hit numbers. Some team's going to look at how Matt Chapman hit more baseballs 400 feet that weren't home runs than any other player in baseball. Someone's going to look at the Matt Chapman in April who hit 15 doubles that month alone and is likely going to give him a multi-year deal and the Blue Jays will get compensated out of that. But I think that is it out of all those players there. Well, that would be nice because, I mean, uh, uh, Hoagland's going to be a, you know, he's going to be a good pitcher uh, in, in Major League Baseball in a, in a short time. So um, let's not, let's at least, if if we're relinquishing him and if we get a, a compensatory pick, then it's something. I eh? keep the... Uh, yeah. You know, keep the uh, pipeline moving because we did send two guys out. If Chapman's going away for nothing, so be it. But if we get a pick back, bonus. Okay, so let's assume that happens. All those guys reach free agency and none of them are back at the Toronto Blue Jays. Now, let's be with the caveat. That may change as the offseason goes on, right? We might get one of them cheap. One of them just decides, say Kevin Kiermaier is just like, no, I love Toronto. I never want to leave. I'm coming back. That'd be great. We would love that. Um, But let's assume they are all gone. As the Blue Jays roster currently stands right now at this moment, it looks like this. You have a catching tandem of Kirk and Jansen. I think we're both safe to say, unless something crazy happens this offseason, those guys will both be back behind the plate for next year. We have Vladimir Guerrero Jr. at first base. Davis Schneider lines up as our everyday second baseman right now. Kevin Biggio is lined up as our everyday third baseman right now. We have Bo Bichette at shortstop. And our outfield would go Springer and right. Varsha would likely move full-time in center. And this puts like Nathan Lucas as our full-time left fielder right now with a DH of like Spencer Horowitz. And then your bench has guys like Santiago Espinal who might get cut in arbitration, Ernie Clement, Otto Lopez, and whoever isn't catching between Kirk and Jansen. So out of that lineup, Riley, I don't know about you, but I think there are some definite needs here the Blue Jays need to address going into this offseason. 
Yeah, and I mean, it lines up for the future conversation on, on you know, what we're going to talk about here shortly with uh, who we think and things like that. But yeah, I mean, Nathan Lucas isn't an everyday left fielder. It's nice to have that that depth. I'll go back on it and say if, if Kevin Biggio can handle the pressure and he performs and he is our everyday third baseman, I would absolutely love that. David Schneider has proven that he can hack it in the big league. And um, if he is our opening day starting second baseman, I have no quarrel with that. I have no qualm with that. I mean, he's, he is a lunchbox kind of guy. He proved that he can be an impactful major league player. And I think even if he has a, I mean, it would take a ridiculous, ridiculously poor spring training effort. And, you know, maybe him showing up at a shape to camp or something like that for him not to be the starting guy at second base. Um, you know, because I, I don't think Witt's coming back, let's be honest. And um, if we don't make a move to third base and Biggio's there, I mean, it's a toss up. We've had this conversation. Who's on second the whole time since, um, you know, the the. The creation of this podcast, Jesse, and Pretty I think much, David yeah. Schneider is a gr- David Schneider is a great guy to roll with. If if again, if he is the guy who starts our starts second base on opening day, um, I think that's that's great, that's fine. But I still hope we made moves elsewhere uh, to add the depth, to add the talent. Because if the Blue Jays go into camp this year with that lineup in place one the fans are going to go nuts because we made we did nothing to improve our offense that already disappointed coming out of last year i do think the blue jays need to do something we need probably more outfield help because you cannot have nathan lucas starting full-time in left field i guarantee you they signed one if not two outfielders or make a trade for some this offseason the blue jays clearly need more power right? We only had, I think our home run leader was 26 this year. In fact, we'll get to it later, but we had one Blue Jay nominated for a silver slugger this year, and it's not the player you think should have been nominated for a silver slugger. And I do think the infield depth is nice, but I think we need more consistent offensive production from the infield. So I would expect the Blue Jays lineup actually come spring training next year to look dramatically different with two or maybe even three names added in there. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised. I think, you know, if anything's solidified, it's the shortstop first base combo. DH is still very much open, Jesse. Is it too? though? And, and I want to talk about that. Point too, yeah, for sure. For sure, Jesse. Because George Springer is now 34 years old. He is going to need more DH days. So I've heard some people on the internet talking about, well, the Blue Jays can just sign another branded belt type, have him in, come in, be a full-time first base. Or like, what if we trade for like a Pete Alonso or something like that, a, a first base master type and just have him play uh, DH. I think the Blue Jays actually want to give George Springer more time at the DH spot over this course of this year and the next year, because he will be 35 next year, Riley. So it's, uh, I, I don't know if the Blue Jays signed that type of player. So, I mean, like, hey, I when George Springer took his ABs at DH and still played a very good right field, I will say this. George Springer's defense surprised the heck out of me this year. I think it surprised yeah. the heck out of a lot of people. Will he have the... I don't think he has the numbers. I think he's going to be like a, a .3 war player um, if he if he plays DH, let's say, the whole year. Like, he's not um, that good good of a replacement level designated hitter. And that's if he has a great year. I mean, I don't know what happened would happen if you took his numbers as a DA. Like if you put every game he played this year and as a DH, I don't know how it stacks up for his wins above replacement. However, that's not important. What I'm saying is um, I still think, yes, he is 34. I think that if, unless something changes, you know, how not health wise, but you see a decline over this offseason, then yeah, I could see that move possibly being made. But I mean, you can't you can't have him 
DH, you know, every game. Like we need a big bat in there. George Springer it was good. Yes, good hitting outfielder, great leadoff guy for sure. But I mean, we still gotta consider getting that really big bat that can also play outfield. I like the idea of running, kind of having four guys that you could call upon. Maybe not have run with the you know, the three center fielder type thing, maybe have, yeah. Okay. We have two center fielders and a guy that plays corner outfield with a good bat. Yeah. That can mash. I like that. And then rotating Springer in uh player X that I'm referring to, whatever, it doesn't really matter who it is. I still think George Springer to add value to this team needs to, you know, have the reps in right field um, as well as DH. Cause it is good. We saw it was very beneficial to give him those days at DH. I definitely don't disagree with that. Yeah. And just some names to mention, Riley and I are going to name our favorites later in this episode, but Jock Peterson is a guy who can mash from the left side. Jorge Soler is a guy yeah, who can let's, mash. Let's spoil my names right off the yeah, hop sure. there. Yeah. Like, yeah, no, Jock Peterson is, a, is the guy exactly who I was. That's the top of my list. Let's start. Oh, well, let's get into that set. then. Sure. Yeah. No, Jock Peterson, Peterson is at the top of my list. Honest. Uh, he's a lefty bat. Um, he spent all his time basically in the National League. I know that we've had this thing. Oh, well, we see a guy like Varsho who played in the National League West and then he came here and did nothing. Oh, the whole year thing. I think that's BS a little bit. Um, I think. <laughs> You don't give Jock a premium spot in the lineup. You bat him fifth or sixth, and he will DH more often than he plays left field if he is on this Toronto Blue Jays team. And I, he still will play defense as well. But mm-hmm. he's that he's that player X I was referring to, Jesse. Spoilers, okay. S, cat's out of the bag. <laughs> um, I want a player like that. And yeah, I have the page open right right now. And my other one too. I, I don't know how far we're going to get. I, I want to just get into this because you just opened the can and sure. I'm going to sp- yeah. spill it now. Jesse, yeah, no, absolutely. Jock Peterson, I think, would be a fantastic fit. I thought I thought about I've thought about I've thought about him since about 2017. Mm-hmm. I thought that he would look great in a Blue Jays uniform. I think he can absolutely clobber a ball. He isn't the same player he was in the late years of 2010s, but I still think he can mash and he's a very suitable guy to fill that position. I Let's put it this way. We're looking for a guy. Varsho is replacing Kiermaier with the bat. I think that Varsho can have a better year yeah, with the too. bat next year than Kiermaier. So then let's say, well, who's going to hit better? 2023 Dalton Varsho or 2024 Jock Peterson. And for me, it's Jock Peterson. I think now, so too. He, segue, he's- se- segue to the next real quick. Like, uh, no, sorry, Jess, you go first because I'm going to have a longer rant. <laughs> I just wanted to add on to Jock Peterson. There's so much red on that StatCast page. 91st percentile, exit velocity, 96th percentile, hard hit rate. His expected WOBA, which is one of my favorite stats to judge how productive a baseball player is, top 10% in all of baseball for Jock Peterson as well. I'm with you, dude. And if you've watched Jock Peterson play too, you can just see this guy smoke baseballs, hit him hard, hit him to the pole side. He could be what we kind of wanted Brandon Belt to be last year, except this guy will actually hit your 25 plus home runs, whereas Brandon Belt only got up to 18 last year. So I'm with you on the Jack Peterson call, Riley, but get right into your next guy because I want to hear you get animated for this guy. Do you know who's a really cool player in major league baseball Do you know who's a great clubhouse guy mm. and i'll just say the word infectious smile mm. um i'm talking about teoscar hernandez ah yes we know I'm, him. I'm, I'm i'm talking about teoscar hernandez and there was a long time where i in morally i looked at bringing um 
a guy back on your team, kind of like going back to an ex-girlfriend or something like that. I don't know. That, that was just my shrewd view on it. Um, this is in no way, shape, or form a kind of a breakup. This was a trade, you know, a one-for-one one or whatever it was. We got Eric Swanson. We shipped off Teo. Um, and I think it was a strategic trade. However, Jesse, I mean, Teo's in free agency. We're looking at available free agents. And he really fits the bill for me. This is another guy we're talking about right field now. You want to you want to split some DH time with someone for George Springer? Well, there's a guy who plays the same field. There's Teoscar Hernandez. He's been in the Blue Jays. He knows this team. In fact, he's going to come in and be an impact piece right away. I know for sure he's liked by his teammates. He's Hey, he hasn't spent a whole lot of time with the coaches yet. And also... We don't know who's which coaches are coming back and not coming True. back besides yeah. bes, bes, besides John Schneider, whatever. Like, well, we don't we'll get into that later on. But I mean, you know, we know what Tay Oscar Hernandez meant to this team and he could still mean something to this team. We're talking about big bats available and. Teo's a pretty big bat and he's been here. We know what he can do. And again, not going to break the bank, but a good complimentary piece. What I like about Jock over him though, is the right-handed versus left-handed bat thing. I'm still go putting Jock first on my list, but trust me when I say, you know, Teoscar Hernandez is definitely one of the better options for power hitting outfielders in this free agency class. Riley, who do you think will be a better hitter just next season alone? Teoscar Hernandez or Jordan Springer? Oh, I've I've Teoscar Hernandez without even without even a, a like a doubt in my mind. Teoscar Hernandez over George Springer. See, because I think I'm on the George Springer camp here. Um, I didn't like what I saw with Teoscar his first year in Seattle, and I kind of thought the Blue Jays might have been a little smart getting rid of them. He did hit 26 home runs in Seattle this year, where he hit 25 his final year at Toronto, but he played 30 more games in Seattle this year than he did with Toronto. His walk rate dropped to a career low. His strikeout rate went to a career high. Was pretty much a league average hitter throughout the course of the season. And then that defense we know we had in the outfield was still kind of choppy for Teoscar Hernandez. I wish him the best, but I do think his best years, particularly his best power years, are already behind him as he's turning to the wrong side of 30 now. So I'm definitely with you on Jock pa Jock Peterson over Teoscar Hernandez. But um, yeah, I, I think I'm out on Teoscar, but I'm wishing him nothing but the best. Oh, yeah. whether he we, we know what he meant to this team. I just like to dream on the fact that we can have a reunion with Teo and he come back. Though, I mean, in the other name, I would have like just spend no time on him at all. Adam Duvall as well. Yeah, um, I like that another, one better. A, another guy who could hit a baseball, and I'll just leave it at that. The only problem is we're talking righty versus lefty at bats. Uh, Jock's my number one guy, and outfield is where we got to look at. Your corner outfielders should possess a little bit of power, and I think that's really what this team needs more than anything at this point. We need a big bop and bat that can play corner field. I mean, it kind of works because my two names that I wanted to see the Toronto Blue Jays uh, acquire here are both position players as well. So I guess we can talk about them here before we get into pitching. I do want to say, though, I would be happy if we the Mets decide to sell and we got Pete Alonso. Jorge Soler would be awesome. I would He just declined his option in Miami. I would love to see him come here because he is the crap out of the ball. Uh, Willie Adamas in Milwaukee and Reese Hoskins, who didn't play all year, um, but has been a known power bat. I wouldn't mind seeing any of them come to Toronto, but I'm thinking Riley that the Toronto blue Jays should look at to making a trade and they should make a trade with the Washington nationals because the name of the player that I really want to see the blue Jays go get this year 
is Lane Thomas, who plays out there in Washington. He hit 268, 315, 468 last year with 28 home runs. 20 stolen bases and was a 3.3 war player. Riley, I know you want to say something about Lane Thomas, so give me your instant reaction. I I did not have you say saying Lane Thomas <laughs> on my bingo card for tonight's mm. pod. I think that's incredible. And I think you're thinking like the GMs in Toronto mm-hmm. when you know that he has team control. Mm-hmm. Like that's that that's a realist. That's very realistic. Um I like that. Did you say he was? He's above three war player too. Three point three war player last year in three points with a bad lineup behind him. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. No. And I think um, Jesse, if the price is right, um, and that's a lefty bat as well. Mm -hmm. I I don't dislike Uh, that. No, it's a it's a righty bat. But yeah, is it a righty bat? Okay, my bad. Um, I mean that I'm baffled to think that um, that could. I, I don't think the price would be too too high. Again, we're talking, let's go back to what we said. Like, okay, we're winning in two years or bust. Then we got to start. We got to deal some some higher level prospects. But you can't have your cake. You need it too. That's the problem with this. We, oh, we want the, we want the major league team to succeed. We want this flourishing minor league. At this point, Jesse, we can't have both. So push comes to shove. You ship out a top five prospect. That's gonna if it's if that's the way we're going. That's gonna have to be what happens. Yeah, an Adam Mako or a Cam Eden or um, an Adam Lowend or something. If you can keep your big three main guys, maybe even Barger, I'd move to. But uh, Lane Thomas is a guy I'm interested in because I st- he's still young enough. He's under contract. Well, he matches with this Blue Jays core. He'll be a free agent in the 2026 season, and he's got good numbers. Riley, 94th percentile sprint speed. His arm is in the top three percent of all of baseball. If you don't want to sacrifice outfield defense, look, he's not Kevin Kiermeyer because nobody is Kevin Kiermeyer. But he's not too bad in there. And look, he hit 28 home runs, 20 stolen bases. I think he's a better bet to be a 30-30 guy, like we kind of thought Dalton Varsho would be last year. Except why I don't think the collapse is going to be there, like what happened for Varsho, is because the strikeout rates are a lot better. His um, batting average has gone up each of the last three years. His contact rates have gone up each of the last three years. And I also really like Riley that he pulls the baseball down the line, which is the most of how he can get his power out of his smaller frame, which is something, it's what Danny Jansen does to have success in the barrel of the baseball and Lane Thompson does, or Lane Thomas does that as well. And he is probably the number one name I would like to see in the Toronto Blue Jays uniform come next season. Creative answer, Jesse, all green flags for me from what you said, that sounds very reasonable. And that sounds like part of a winning recipe to me. Mm-hmm. And I got one more name. This name isn't as sexy, but again, I'm trying to think realistically here. What are the Blue Jays going to do? Because if they only have, say, 30 to $55 million to spend, and we have four or five holes on the roster, and we haven't even talked pitching yet, um, the Blue Jays are going to need to sign a cheap player that can play and might have the chance to produce. So that's why I'm bringing up this guy. It's a veteran guy, Riley, but a guy who's played in the AL East before. And that is Evan Longoria, who we just saw in the World Series with the... Um, with the Arizona Diamondbacks. Look, the guy is on a decline. He's not the all-star player he was back in his day. But the reason why I think I want him is because he can be had very cheap. I think he would definitely sign a one-year deal. So when your third baseman in Buffalo, Addison Barger or Elvis Martinez, are ready to take over, he can platoon with Cavin Biggio, if you think Cavin Biggio can be your left-handed solution at third base. And he's he's good. And then if you have this guy has to go to the bench, he still has some power. His top his exit velocity and his hard hit rates are still in the top 10% of baseball. Yes, there is swing and miss there, but I think it's a good leadership guy who you could start for the first six weeks of the season to hold down the fort, have him cheap. 
and could be ready and then a weapon off the bench for when the Blue Jays needed a little later. Rays fans would absolutely want our heads on a stake (laughs) if we went out there and signed their franchise third baseman, who's obviously not what he was. World Series participant this year, Evan Longoria, who is very much on the decline. Um, He was one of the best third baseman in baseball for the better part of a decade. I think I like what you said with the, the you used the word platoon with Kevin Biggio. Mm-hmm. I like that word. I was just trying to think about it in my head. Um, Longoria still can play at the big league level. It's just not what he used to be. And I think he's a guy who would benefit from the days off. And we don't, if Kevin's swinging a hot bat, Longoria will ride the pine for a bit, you know, vice versa. If Longoria is hot, maybe keep him in the lineup. If uh, you know, if his if his body can take it, if he can take it, and he's performing, I I, I like that idea as well because Cavan can. I mean, hey, we've seen him play a lot of different positions, and if Longoria is a guy um, who's who's flourishing at third base, and someone else is slacking, let's say Davis Schneider goes on a cold streak at second, or player X, whatever at second base, then Kevin Biggio can take some reps, field some innings at second and, you know, and so on and so forth with, uh, you know, right field or whatever it is. There's a lot of different options when you have um, a player that plays multiple positions. I like that. Yeah, I do. I like Evan Longoria. Uh, That's, that's a, that's a good if we'll go that route, like I said, race fans will, will, will want our heads. But I mean, if it's going to win us ball games, let's give us an aging Evan Longoria. Hey, and we already stole Kevin Kiermaier from them, so why does why we might as well just keep going, right? <laughs> Doing the whole thing. Let's get Ben Zobrist out of retirement and see if he can come join our team too. Carl Crawford, sure, bring them all. <laughs> That'd be good. Look, at the end of the day, though, this offensive production to be a good offensive unit, like we know the Blue Jays can be, we need Davis Schneider's hot streak to be more real than the streak where he was striking out. We need, I know we've said it again, and we'll say it a lot more throughout this offseason, we need Vladimir Guerrero Jr. to come back. We need Danny Jansen to remain healthy. We need the George Springer decline to not be that sharp. We need Kirk to rebound. We need Dalton Varsho to rebound. And we need Kevin Biggio to show this wasn't a flash in the pan. This is the real guy. And we need, honestly, improvement out of Addison Barger or Elvis Martinez, Spencer Horowitz. We need one of these guys to come up and take control of this team. And that would really force this Blue Jays into a, a real threat at the plate. Yeah, we Jesse, we just need players that can hit. I don't care. I don't care who it is. If a guy, like I said, if a guy's hot, he's in the lineup. There's none of this like uh, sitting Davis Schneider. If he's if he's on a hot streak, if he's on a cold streak, sure. You play your best players. Uh, matchup doesn't matter. Like we, it's it's do or die in the next two seasons, and it starts with. You know, the offseason, it goes into spring training, and then it's up to the players. It's up to John Schneider, how he plays these guys. And there's a lot of different options so we can go with this. But I think one of these is going to pan out to, to be successful. There's an algorithm somewhere out there where this is a championship ball club. And it's Just up to those it. guys. Yeah. It's those guys in the front office that have to figure this out. I agree. And um, I don't know if I exactly have faith in these guys at the front office to figure it out, but that is a conversation for another day. Riley, let's talk starting pitching here. All right. 
And if the predictions we made at the start of this episode come true and we do let Hun Jin Ryu walk, this means our starting rotation depth is as follows. Kevin Gosman, Jose Barrios, Chris Bassett, Yusei Kikuchi. I think all four of those guys are going to be here no matter what. There is some buzz about trading Yusei Kikuchi. I don't think we do it. I think those four are going to be here no matter what. That leaves our number fifth starting job as it currently stands is up to Alec Manoa, Bowden Francis, Mitch White, Ricky Tiedemann, Wes Parsons, or Chad Dallas. Do any of those names, Riley, really scream at you to come grab this fifth starting job going into camp? Yeah, if uh, Bowden Francis can really get it together, then maybe, but I doubt it. So that's why we've come up with with who we think, Jesse. But yeah, you you said it. And Alec Manol was on that list. Mitch White was. Although Mitch White was whatever, I think he's going to flake at the major league level next time he comes up. And whatever's happening with Nate Pearson, who the heck knows? But uh, I think the there bullpen, are available yeah, we'll free see. agents. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, Jesse, there's a lot of different routes we can go. We can't do a four-man rotation. It just doesn't work in baseball in the first century. Therefore, we need a fifth starter. Yeah, so are we giving this position to Alec Manoa, or are we getting something from outside of the rotation, like outside of the organization? Like, Are we going to sign another $20 million pitcher like we have each of the last two off-seasons? I mean, if we're breaking the bank, my breaking the bank option is Jack Flaherty. I don't think that's going to uh, happen. That's that's my I, dream. I'm out on that. Sure, yeah, that's that's my. Well, you'd hate my number. The, my the one I looked at first and salivated, even though he was absolute, you know, dog crap, was Frankie Montas because I know what he could could have done, could have been, and there's still potential there in that in that arm. Um, but I think I'm going to go the route of saying, Jesse, how you talked about a trade. I think that this this piece could be brought via trade. I don't know who uh, that could be. Um, I'm going to I always think that one of the best spots to tap talent is um, is from the American League Central, even though it's just a bad division. I think there's a lot of good players and starting pitching. And um, I think the Twins have a great rotation. There's a couple of young pitchers there I would would grab up. I don't even have anyone really in mind. Um, I just want someone, you know, if we if we do spend the money on position players and we don't, you know, want to sink $20 million in, then we'll look for, you know, I would be okay with flopping a prospect or two and a good level one there to have a quality arm. And if he doesn't necessarily have to be a fifth starter, we can move move a Kikuchi to be the fifth starter or whatever. We could yeah. say like, oh, pit, this pitcher is going to be our third starter or whatever. It doesn't matter. We just want five good starting pitchers. And um, like, I'm not putting any eggs in Alec Manoa's basket at this point. And, and you like, can't I have, you'd be dumb to do so, I think. There is no reason to believe that he's even going to be on the 26-man roster to start this year, let alone be a uh, an active player on a major league or MLB professional roster or whatever. There's so much, so many question marks surrounding that. And again, if someone goes out and have a good, has a good spring training, but I really think that we should acquire an almost for sure thing um, to have in our minds, like, Hey, there are five really good starting pitchers here. Like maybe the guys in Buffalo are in Buffalo and injuries will happen. Knock on wood. It's not for long-term yada, 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 you know, the deal, but um, our pitching was so good last year and we could really be that complete ball club. Imagine where we would have been if we had, um, you know, a different guy, not saying Alec Manoa costed us any, you know, real, you know, 
wave in the standings. You know, we finished where we finished. There's no going back on it, but we had four really good starting pitchers this year. And Hunjin Ryu, when he came back, he was solid. And um, if we had five guys clicking at the start of the year and jump off to a really good first two months of the year with five pitchers, I mean, then we're in a really good spot. You saw how Tampa Bay made out early off in the year. They were flying. They were owning for their injuries. Yeah. Yeah. Before all of that happened, they were, they were making a a mockery of major league baseball. They were running away with the AL East. How Baltimore came back is a complete, however, different story, getting off topic. I would really like another starting pitcher. That's going to basically be a for sure thing. Riley, I'd even like, I'd want two or three. The Blue Jays, I think starting pitching depth is the biggest need that this team really needs to feel. Field. And look, it doesn't necessarily need to be the top end guys because on paper, Gosman should be good. If Barrios, the guy we saw in the postseason, was good, that's fine. Chris Bassett, Mr. Consistency, as we called him, is good. But we need guys who can throw league average. Like Louis Varland of the Twins, I think to mention your AL Central names, might be a guy who we could go through because a guy, he's not spectacular, but he's going to give you five to six innings and he'll pitch to a mid three ZRA. Perfect. Like that is the type of player the Blue Jays need right now. And we need, I think three or four of them because look, Riley, the Blue Jays used eight starting pitchers all of last year. One of them was Wes Parsons who started game 162 after the Blue Jays already clinched. Three of them were Trevor Richards when the Blue Jays decided to go with bullpen days. And then the other ones were, the four main starters, Hunjin Ryu and Alec Manoa. That was it. Those are all the starting pitchers the Blue Jays used last year. I would guarantee you the Blue Jays are going to have to use more than that starting pitchers going into next year. Um, so they're going to have to do something. But I will say, as of right now, it really does seem like Ricky Tiedemann has a spot in this rotation. He's done in the AFL. He's look, If he looks good in the spring like he looked good last spring, I think the Blue Jays might give him a chance to just start the league, uh, start opening day on the team next year. Whoa, holy. Do you want some milk to go with that hot sauce there, big boy? Wow. Hey, I I was sleeping on that one. However, that caught me off guard. That was that's not a ridiculous thing to say, Jesse. Not even in the slightest. It's not a ridiculous thing to say. My only concern is is a guy like that's going to come up and if he gets rattled around, it could really it could really set mm-hmm. him off and, and could be possible digression and things like that. I like the idea of Rick, Ricky Tiedemann pitching for the 2024 Toronto Blue Jays. To have him on that 26 man, to have him in as one of the guys in the five spots of the rotation or wherever. On opening day. Yeah. yeah. Uh, there's a lot of things that are going to have to go right. And... I mean, and at the same time, too, if that happens, then we didn't sign, you know, a quality, proper starting pitcher that's been in the big leagues. I'm not saying that Ricky Tiedemann isn't a, you know, great pitcher. He's pitched zero major league ball games. I think that if we're going to go with this roster to win a championship, every single player has had to at major league service. Someone at one point, this has got to be a proven player in major league baseball. Ricky Tiedemann has proven himself as an elite minor league ball player at this point, and he has such a long career ahead of him. Um, and screw it up, though, eh? That's the thing. I don't want to screw it up. And are there better options to go with? Again, nothing against Ricky Tiedemann. I really think that he's going to be an amazing pitcher at the major league level. Just when is more a question mark to me. And again, uh, it's not out of the question that he's. Starting a game 
in this upcoming year for the Toronto Blue Jays. But we do have other ways to go. Ricky Tiedemann is going to have to set the world on fire quite literally uh, for him to be one of those 26 guys, to be one of the five in that starting rotation. I'm rooting for it. I do want to show some love to Bowden Francis and Mitch White, who both at times did show quiet pieces of excellence. And I always keep an eye when a pitcher does do something like that, albeit it was on the minor league side. Um, Some names I wanted to just throw at you because I know you guys listening just love names so you can dream about these things. But I think it's the player group of like Michael Lorenzen, um, Yoshinubu Yamamoto, who would be coming over from Japan, who the Blue Jays have already scouted. I think we're going to talk about him in another episode later this offseason. Kenta Maeda, who I know the Blue Jays have liked in the past. Matthew Boyd, who used to pitch here. Uh, Seth Lugo, is another name. And if the Marlins do decide to trail, um, if we can get their lefty Edward Cabrera off of them, those are all names I think the Blue Jays would have interest in to fill one of these spots. Jamer Candelario, just to name one more, if sure. we don't decide to go with with Biggio on third base, whatever. I mean, we, we, we're we not going to sit here and name the full free, agent, free agency list. Well, not this episode. These, <laughs> no, not this episode. This is our dream. This is our dream episode. And we only brought up Shohei like once or twice. Mm-hmm. And I pretty much just just killed that one, which is fine. Hey, I'm trying to be realistic about it. I do have a wish list and whatever. But Jesse, I mean, we have the players that that should be <laughs> that should be impact pieces and at a like five, six war pace. Um we need to get that and then have the complementary pieces, you know, do their part as well. But we have all these superstars or young talent prodigies, if you will. And uh, they need to play like that for this team to function, to win ball games, to make a race. And I mean, that's where we're at, man. That's where we're at. Cause we did nothing was close in the 2023 year. And uh, we need to put some good um, support cast out um, for this to work. And I mean, but it does start with the superstars. Yeah. We're looking at a window of, like you said, two years, um, veteran presence, a young guy via trade. Doesn't matter. We need to get someone aboard, uh, that's going to work with this, with this chemistry mesh and, uh, either give a eat innings, pitch well, or hit like 25 home runs for us. Essentially. Yeah. And let's touch on the bullpen here. We don't have to spend too much time because, look, the bullpen was good last year. The Blue Jays have a lot of names. We're losing Jordan Hicks. And it does. I was listening to the At The Letters podcast, and it did sound like um, something with the Jordan Hicks agent or something just seemed like Jordan Hicks and the Blue Jays would just not be a fit. They wouldn't expand on that. But it seems likely that Jordan Hicks is going to free agency and likely will not be a Toronto Blue Jay. Um, We'll see what happens with that. That could be nothing. That could be something. I have no idea. But as it stands, their bullpen kind of looks like Jordan Romano will be our closer. We'll have Eric Swanson in the setup role. Genesis Cabrera, Tim Meza, Jimmy Garcia, Adam Simber, Trevor Richard, Zach Pop will all be back. And then guys like Hagen Danner, Yasra Zuleta, Jackson Reese, Hayden Younger. There are a lot of guys in Buffalo who um, could take a bullpen roll up here. And then that didn't even include Bowden Francis, Mitch White. So the Blue Jays do have lots of names. I bet they add another name or two throughout the offseason. Um, 30 seconds or less, Riley, because we don't have to spend much time on the bullpen. But do you think the Blue Jays are going to add another high-impact piece here? No, I don't think so. And you forgot to mention Nate Pearson, because I think his, you know, yeah, like he could be in a very effective bullpen arm. I don't know if he'll crack it as a starter ever in Major League Baseball, but the way he throws, I'd love him to be a seventh inning kind of guy this year. Same as like a Garcia role, kind of tandem them, if you will. 
Um, but I like our bullpen. I've liked our bullpen all year for the most part. Um, with the ab, I really like Jordan Hicks. I wish we could bring him back. We're going to need a better effort from Romano. But I think overall, if I'm to use a, one word to summarize this bullpen, the way it sounds right now is balanced. It's yeah, very balanced, Jesse. It's it's nothing too flashy. Doesn't scream sexy, but at the same time, too, a lot of those guys just get the job done. Yeah, and the Blue Jays have shown over the last two years too that they are not afraid to go out and make a high uh, addition bullpen piece at the trade deadline. And I would bet if the Blue Jays are in contention again this year, they will likely do something very similar again at this year's trade deadline. Riley, I have five true or false questions before we get into the news and notes here, and uh, just you don't need to expand on them at all. I just want a quick true or false. All right. Okay. True or false. The Toronto Blue Jays opening day third baseman next year is currently on their roster. True or false? Ooh, uh, true. Okay. I think that is not true. I'm going to say false. Um, the Blue Jays opening day left fielder is currently on their roster. True or false? False. I'm going false as well. Um, the Blue Jays opening five starting pitchers next year will all be starters from that are people that are currently inside the starting rotation. So, false. False. Yeah, I think they're going to add somebody too, whether it's a high impact one or not. I don't know. And uh, Ricky Tiedemann or Elvis Martinez, Addison Barger and Brandon Barriera will all still be in the Blue Jays organizations by the start of spring next year. Ooh, I want to hit you. I want to be weird. I want to hit you with a false. Mm, so you think we're going to let go of I, uh, the prospect here, eh? I, I, there. If we're going to win, we got to make big moves, Jesse. That's, That's and Ricky T, Ricky Tiedemann is untouchable for me, but one of those three names uh, could be gone. Interesting, interesting. I, I don't know. I, we will see. The Blue Jays held on to a lot of their prospects last year, and the Blue Jays actually don't have a ton of high impact prospects. So if the Blue Jays do make some trades here, especially to get my guy Lane Thomas, they're going to have to make. They're going to have to get real creative with their transactions here. So I'm curious to see what the Blue Jays decide to come up with. Right. Yeah, absolutely. We got another couple true or false for me, eh? No, I don't, but I do have some news and notes. Just News and notes. It's been a while since the Blue Jays have come out of the World Series, and there's some stuff going now. The Blue Jays, this one just came out earlier today, Riley, which I actually think could be a very big deal. And you talked a little bit about the coaching staff earlier, but the Blue Jays have just fired their hitting strategist, Dave Hudgens. Now, I don't really know what a hitting strategist does, but I'm going to assume he plans the strategy for the hitters. And we saw a lot of the Blue Jays hitters take the balls to the opposite field this year. I think the Blue Jays had more opposite field hits than anyone this year. And that, I think, really zapped the power that the Toronto Blue Jays had. So if that is the case, I think hiring a new hitting strategist could go a long way to bringing the Blue Jays' power back this season. Yeah, I mean, see ball, hit ball. As far as what a hitting strategist does, he's not up there holding the bat with you. I mean, game plan, yeah. game, game plan, the psyche, the mental part of an at-bat, I won't disregard that that is very important. Um, if you can get a pitch, and if your name is Bulbachet, you can get a ball to the opposite field and hit for power, that's great. But when you're a Vladimir Guerrero Jr. or, God, for uh, heaven forbid, do it 40 times in a row without pulling a ball, Alejandro Kirk, then yeah, maybe we need to do some readjustments um, for how we approach that bat. Yep. And then um, some news and notes, actually this one just coming through about 20 minutes ago, Whit Merrifield has officially declined his player option and the Blue Jays declined the club option. So they both declined their option. He is officially a free agent. And speaking of Whit Merrifield, he was the one Toronto Blue Jay who was nominated for a silver slugger award. And right, if I would have told you coming into the year that uh, the Blue Jays would have a Silver Slugger nomination, how many names would you have to go through before you got to Whit Merrifield, much less at the utility position award? 
Which, yeah, uh, I, yeah, yeah, I didn't. I don't know. I didn't remember if that was a thing last year. What never doesn't register in my mind as an award. I know it's very legit. Not going to dock that or make fun of that in any way. But one finalist, not even a recipient, mm-hmm. uh, one one nomination, one finalist, whatever you want to call it. Uh, you would. I'm not going to name players, but you would have to go through quite a few before I would land at Whit Merrifield. So would I, and I do not think he's going to win it, which means the Blue Jays will have no Silver Slugger winners on their team this year, which is not ideal. Um, two more pieces of notes. Home t- start times are now available, so you can look and see the game times. The Jays will have six midweek afternoon games, but the rest are all normal. 3.30 or 3.07 p.m. home starts on Saturdays, the regular 1.07 start times on Sundays, and mostly 7.07 start times throughout the rest of the week. And Amarac Company, the food that makes the concessions at the Rogers Center is out of Rogers Center, Riley, and the Legends Corporation will be taking over. Now, I have no idea what this means, but I know Amarac literally sold prison food, so they will not be uh, making the food at Rogers Center anymore. And Riley, I have no idea what this means for your beer selection or anything like that or what it even means for the dollar dog at um at the thing but it seems like a new company will be making the concessions at rogers center which i give a thumbs up to because i was getting kind of stale of the uh, of the food options they had at the rogers center all i care about is that the street meat is still hot and ready and mm-hmm. there's mustard loaded up in the bottle and then yeah, when right. i get in there i still get my chicken tenders and there's still a couple nice cool cans of, of budweiser for me if those three things are in check I'm happy. I'm happy, Jesse. That's all that. That's all I care about. And I can't um, but, imagine but, they're doing any different. I think that'll go. Different. No, you. No, you can't take. Don't take away. <laughs> rule number one: Don't t- take away my chicken fingers. <laughs> rule number two: Do you got any chicken fingers? <laughs> These are great rules, Riley. Get that on a T-shirt. Yeah. I want to see you yeah. having that at the dome uh, next year. <laughs> chicken fingers. Yeah, every game, man. Every game. <laughs> All right. Well, that'll do it for episode here today, guys. If you guys are watching at home, please like the video, subscribe to the channel, leave a comment down below on what you guys think should be the bl- moves the Blue Jays go to acquire this offseason. There's going to be some interesting ones, Riley. I really do think that this offseason is going to make or break whether or not the Toronto Blue Jays are a World Series winner with this core or hell win a playoff game with this core. Uh, we will wait and see though. So leave a comment, like the video, subscribe to the channel, follow us on our social medias, Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok. We'll get more active on there as the soft season goes on. Riley, anything else to add before we get out here today? No, uh, we got a long off season ahead. Viewers, listeners buckle in. Mm-hmm. Um, this, there's going to be some moves, many moves. We don't know yet. We don't know. Uh, Jesse has, not a lot of faith in our management. I might have a sprinkle more of faith, hmm. um, but we'll we'll bring whatever news arrives. And um, and yeah, hopefully it's good because Jesse, I'm fixated on this two year window. And every second I think about it, the more and more I think, like we got to make some big moves, and our mm-hmm. big players need to do big things. Let's just for a second. One silver slugger nominee, Whit Merrifield, and it's not one of our big guns. Bobachette being hurt this year, total exemption, whatever, blah, blah, blah. Um, we need a ton of guys to pick it up, uh, our core guys. So that's that's about all I have to say, Jesse. Me too. We'll have a lot more discussion points. We'll get into some Blue Jays rumors, maybe dive into the free agency list and whatever as free agency officially opens five days from now. If any the Blue Jays do anything dramatic, you can bet that we'll be back here talking about it. But until then, we'll see you guys next week. Let's go, Blue Jays. Thanks, guys.